0: following is a continuation in our study of the covenants of the Bible. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, William Bondurant, as you all know, he's the RUF campus minister at Texas A&M, and he's going to be speaking on the Davidic covenant with us tonight. So if you all will give your undivided attention to William. William, would you mind opening us up in prayer and then jumping in for us? Yeah, absolutely. Pray, Lord. Though we are all in different places, not together, we have to have our time with each other mediated by a screen, and there's just all kinds of things that are weird about that, hard about that, disappointing about that. But Lord, would you still push your kingdom forward through hearing your word, dwelling together spiritually? Even would you strengthen us? For these times, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, yeah, so like Tree said, my name's William, and it's good to be with y'all, even if it's just virtually. I hope y'all are being able to, like, be productive with your time, spend more time doing important things. So tonight we're going to talk to you about King David and his covenant. So let's get started. I just kind of want to set a context for y'all. You know, why is it important for us as New Testament people for us to spend time thinking about this Old Testament, ancient Israelite king? Why does that matter? Well, how about this? So, you know, in the New Testament Gospels, as Jesus is going about his ministry, there will be times when Jesus comes across an individual and they might say something like, Jesus, son of David. One instance where a man says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. and Jesus supernaturally heals him. And you know, actually, what, what the first sentence in the New Testament is? Matthew chapter 1, 1 it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. It's actually how the New Testament starts. And... Just one more. When the angel Gabriel actually comes to Mary and informs her that she is supernaturally with child, what does he say to her? He says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so the point is, like, if you're going to know Jesus, then it is important to know David. And I would say even especially important to understand this pinnacle moment in David's life, this covenant promise that God makes with him. Okay, so with that said, read that covenant promise. So this is coming to you. I think Tree might throw up on the screen here the text. Oh, there it goes. We're going to be reading from Second Samuel chapter 7, starting about halfway through verse 11. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you Before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever. So, okay, so just a little recap for y'all from your other kind of past covenant lessons. One of the things that hopefully you've seen through this series that y'all have been doing is that the Old Testament is this continuous unfolding story of God's planned mission to rescue his people from their sin. And the structure of that unfolding story is that of these various covenant promises that he makes with his people. So, you know, it starts right after Adam and Eve sin, and they plunge the whole world into to chaos. And God immediately comes to them, and he makes this promise that, you know, if one day an offspring will come from you that will crush the head of the serpent Satan and put an end to the curse and evil and death and all of the above but in turn that snake crusher will be crushed himself and and then you just have the bible go this whole line the seed of the woman it makes its way down to generations and No one's really up to snuff. No one's that guy because everybody is still infected with that sin. And so there's still this longing as we're moving forward for this promised snake crusher. And then eventually the story gets to Abraham. There's a series of little covenant sections there with Abraham that kind of further fleshes out this promise. That this offspring will actually will be a king, and that there's going to be a kingdom and land, and he's going to bring restoration for the world. He's going to bring blessing for the nations. We're told so that's the covenant promise. And again, that the covenant line continues from there with Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob has his sons, which are the fathers of all the tribes of Israel, and all of them are still. That sin-infected people, I mean, there's all kinds of horrible, awful things that they all do. And then eventually we get to what I think y'all probably studied last week, the Mosaic Covenant, or maybe even more appropriately we could just call it like the, the covenant God makes with the people Israel. And we kind of get a little fulfillment of the promise here because they become a nation. Of people, God's chosen people. And, and the whole point, you know, is that they're supposed to be this kingdom reflecting God's holiness and goodness, that they would be a light and therefore push back the curse and bring righteousness and restoration into the world. So covenant continuing. But of course, the story of the Bible is just chock full of just what an awful job that they do of that there's some high points for sure but in general a lot of unfaithfulness on god's people but nonetheless God's still being just so faithful to them and his covenant promises and eventually down the line as history goes on finally god raises up this man david a poor shepherd boy and through i won't get into it but through the long drawn out process of struggle hiding i mean david almost being killed multiple times god eventually places him as the true king the true anointed king of israel to reign over this kingdom with righteousness to bring righteousness and to bring god's rule really and truly to israel and then hopefully to the world at large okay so that brings us up to our covenant tonight what we just read So, and what I want you to see is that, again, this promise to David is just continuing to flesh out that covenant rescue mission of God. So, now we know that the snake crusher will indeed be a king with the kingdom. And specifically, we now know that he will be a descendant of David. Okay, so we get further clarity. And then we get this further heightened information. Oh, like the promised offspring, not only will he be a king, he'll be an eternal king. And he'll have an eternal kingdom. Well, why? Well, because this will be the king. This will be the guy that will end the curse, that he'll end death itself and he'll restore the world to its rightful, blessed state, right? So the fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham, fulfillment of the covenant, with Moses and uh, and Adam and Eve, right? Okay, and then there's this statement about, you know, if he commits iniquity, he'll be punished. But even still, the steadfast covenant love of God will not be removed from this guy, like he he's the guy. He'll be the guy. There won't be any guy after him. And nothing will ever change that. So we know that about this covenant, about how God is raising up his chosen anointed one. So how'd that go? How does David's line go? Well, next in line, you get Solomon. And for the most part, like his reign is actually pretty good. It becomes actually one of the golden periods of Israel. The temple gets built. So things are looking pretty promising. Now Solomon certainly has some pretty big issues and out of those issues comes now third in the line, so David, Solomon and then Solomon's son Rehoboam just the wheels come off right there with Rehoboam. He screws it up. He does an awful job. He's a horrible politician. And the kingdom of Israel actually ends up splitting in half with the northern kingdom of Israel on one side and the southern kingdom of Judah on the other. And the rest of the story of the Old Testament just goes downhill from there. Again, you get a few kings sprinkled in there, some a few bright spots, but the whole king situation in Israel and Judah is just a downhill slide. Okay, all the way to the point where God absolutely holds up his end of the promise to punish the Davidic line, all the way to the point of he actually sends nations to defeat and conquer his people and bring them into exile, even bringing the Davidic king at the time into exile, into Babylon. You know, I hope it's at this point that the question kind of comes into your head that kind of goes, okay, but like what gives? is the covenant, like, dead at that point in time? Like, I thought this was supposed to be a, like, sure, eternal, I'm never going to remove my love from this line, and now it feels like this thing's over and God has just kind of torched it. So what gives? Is God lying? Is he not upholding his covenant truth? What's the deal? You know, I just think right now, I think some of you can probably resonate with that especially right now because you can read in the bible all these verses about you know god's love and his care for his people and he's taking care of them and like the spirit's on the move and his kingdom's moving forward with power and nothing can stop it and you look around and you go like well like my church can't meet right now i can't spend time with my friends uh like christian conferences are getting canceled left and right like Okay, it feels like you're saying one thing, God, but then the reality feels like not what you said. And I don't really know what to do with that. And so how might actually David's covenant help us with that, help us where where we are right now? Eventually in the history of Israel, there is a return to the land, and so you kind of get a little bit of like a shadow fulfillment. A Davidic king is kind of brought back. But the fact of the matter is, Israel is just a hollow shell of what it used to be until, as the Bible says, when the time was right, when the time was fulfilled, Jesus comes into the scene. And I already read to you the passage of the angel Gabriel's declaration of who he was going to be, this one that would sit on the throne of his father David. But I want you to see specifically how... Jesus perfectly ties up two big themes that we've seen in this rescue mission so far. So the first theme is, okay, yes, the snake crusher, if you will, he's going to defeat Satan, the curse, sin. He's going to do that. But the big thing, the way he's going to do that is he's actually, he's going to die. He's going to die in the course of, of him killing sin and death. Okay, so that's part of the covenant promise. And then the second big thing that we see is that, okay, but this snake crushing king that he's going to live eternally and he's going to be the king eternally. So like, how can both those things be true? How can it be true that he's going to die and he's going to live eternally and reign forever? Right? Well, it can be true because The unexpected thing about God's promise is that he will punish the true Davidic king. Thing is, he won't actually be punishing his iniquity. He's going to be punishing our iniquity. He's going to be punishing the iniquity of his entire people, of his kingdom, and it will all be placed on the only person who never deserved to have anything bad happen to him. Right? And so like, as you think about How are we squaring this promise or God's truths with reality? Like, I hope you see in the death of Jesus that it is the most breathtaking example of the most horrible, horrible thing that's ever happened. The God creator of the universe is being killed, like tortured to death and slaughtered unjustly on a cross, but that at the same time is also the greatest example of God actually producing good, not despite the awful circumstances, but actually through them. That actually through his death, life comes out of it, and forgiveness comes out of it, and me and you having all of our sins washed away and getting the down payment, On eternity, even now, and of course, one day eternal life through it. That is the covenant with David. The true son of David would indeed rule, and he would rule eternally. He would bring eternal life and peace and righteousness to his kingdom. But how would he do it? By actually reigning self-sacrificially on a cross, by pouring out his life, giving life through death. And so I hope that maybe there's some comfort, some practical comfort that you can take here from this covenant. That what is David's covenant all about? It's all about Jesus reigning from the cross, being punished, that you and I never would be. And that if that is true, that maybe just maybe even as you don't understand, and I don't understand it, that actually like good and life-giving things could happen, not not despite us having to go through isolation, not being able to hang out with friends, but actually because of it, actually because of it. So, all right, I hope that brings you some comfort in life. i be close in prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the true Davidic king, and you came in a way that nobody expected that you would come meek, And lowly and ready to serve and ready to have your life poured out. You conquered by being defeated. You reign through people spitting on you and mocking you. Your majesty looks like having your back torn open. All those things. For us, because you love us, that you would endure the most incredible suffering so that we could have life and experience life and resurrection and being washed and being made clean and tested with fire. And I pray that these young men and women would be able to lean into your sweet covenant promise that Satan, nor death, nor sin, nor the condemnation of the law could ever cause your love to withdraw. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.